Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, my goodness, you are running with us today. This is our second live show of the day. In case you're wondering what the day it is, if you're listening to us on demand, this is Thursday, June 30th. That means the half of the year is past. The second quarter is over. I hope you did all your paperwork and homework, everyone. We've got a great show for you today. Let me tell you what the buzz on the street is. The buzz is never let it rest. Do you remember when you were a kid, never let it rest till the good was better and the better is best? That's what I'm talking about. Now, since this series is Think Big, Work Small, let's see what the context is. Reality check for small businesses. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but no matter how well you do, how smart you think you are, how creative, there is always a better way of doing something better. Okay, that's where the opening quote came from. What could it be? Well, maybe there's a way to streamline a process. Maybe there's a way to faster communicate better, more effectively. Maybe you can tighten the reins on your cost control, cost containment, and do it a little more effectively and keep more dollars in the pocket for the next campaign. Or there could be any other innovation that propels you from good to great and beyond. We want you to soar. That's why we created this show. But, you know, reality dawns again and you have priorities, you have issues specific to your sector, your industry, your company, your location, your culture. You've got to balance it all. There's one word that we're going to impress upon you today with our panel of experts. The key to sustainable success is innovation. The message to all you small business owners out there or people who are thinking about starting your own business, innovate. So the question is, how are today's successful business leaders continuously generating new ideas to help them stay ahead? I would like to say very poetically, oh, let us count the ways, and that's exactly what we'll do. Let me tell you about our exciting panel today. Before I introduce them, just tell you who they are. First up, we will be joined by Joe Fuller, co-founder and CTO at a company called, I believe it's pronounced Viacon, V-E-H-C-O-N, Inc. We'll find out more about that later. He's on the panel with Jay Maurice, an award-winning pianist music educator and entrepreneur who founded the company Lessons in Your Home, the music teachers who come to your home or school. Very well put. And rounding out the panel is the sponsor for this series. She is Lorraine Maurice, Senior Director of Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP. And Lorraine calls herself a modern marketer. And if you noticed a last name that is shared by Lorraine and Jay, yes, they come from the same family. We'll tell you more about that. So let me get started with our first up panelist. It's Joe Fuller. And Joe has sent us a quote from Mark Twain. Oh, everybody knows Mark Twain, 1835 to 1910, better known by Mark Twain. But his real name is Samuel Langhorn. Clemens. He was an American author and humorist. He wrote The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which was also called The Great American Novel. And I'm going to read a little piece of trivia, Joe. You may not know about Mark Twain, and then I'll read the quote. Mark Twain was born shortly after a visit to Earth by Halley's Comet, and Twain predicted that he would go out with it too. In fact, Mark Twain died 
the day after the comet returned. And he was lauded as the greatest American humorist of his age, and William Faulkner called Twain the father of American literature. Here's the quote. It ain't what you know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Joe Fuller, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Love the quote. We get a lot of interesting quotes from Mark Twain, but we don't hear this one too often. So talk to me. Did you know that he predicted he would pass away when Haley's Comet came back? I actually did not know that, so that's a fascinating piece of trivia, and um, thanks, for, uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. You know, one of the reasons why I, um, this quote really speaks to me is it, it deals with something that I've learned literally just in the last oh, I'd say the last three or four years after, um, you know, being an entrepreneur for most of the past 25 years of my career in the technology industry, um, a lot of, uh, you know, prior thinking that I've had about innovating and creating business processes and growing a business has been around, I'd say, what's more called, what I would call operational thinking. And that's a, a thought of, you don't know what you don't know. And I can think back earlier and how profound that was and, you know, going forward and making business plans and decisions and realizing that there was a lot of information that you wanted to have that you didn't have. But I think this quote from Twain turns it a little more into an innovation thinking um, kind of idea because going into any proposition, whether we're an entrepreneur starting a new business or we're already engaged in a business, whether it's a small company or a larger enterprise, there are definitely a certain set of things that we are just absolutely sure are facts. And one of the things that I've learned in studying a little bit more about innovation is that that truly is the thing that gets you into trouble. It can be the things that you are absolutely sure about, but that aren't actually true in the world. And to the extent when you're looking at innovation, you can bear that in mind and challenge your own assumptions and really be in a process of discovery as you're looking towards innovation. I found that to be very, very helpful. You are so articulate. What a great setup for our topic, Joe. And I have to ask you, tell me, what is the correct pronunciation for the name of your company? And just oh, briefly, what what do you do? <clears throat> yeah, great. Uh, well, the company is called VCon, so VCon. Uh, short for Vehicle Connections. And uh, we're a company that uses primarily smartphone-based technologies to gather vehicle and driver data. And so these are um, uh, data sets about uh, the way that people drive, um, where people drive, how much they drive, and that information is useful for a variety of industries, um, including things like insurance and some emerging, emerging industries such as road use charging as a replacement for the fuel tax you pay at the fuel pump. Thank you. Good to know you. VCon, I got it right this time after I heard you say it. And, and Joe, uh, just quickly, do you think most new business owners, small business owners think that because they recently, and let's put that in a framework perhaps of six months to a year to maybe five years, because their business is new and presumably, supposedly, hopefully, they're bringing something new to the marketplace, a new flavor, a new color, a new style, a new faster, better something, May, that may already existed. Do you think they fall back on their laurels or rest on their laurels to say, well, my company is doing something new, so I've already innovated. Leave me alone. Do you think there's that, that attitude? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I think maybe there's, I'd say there's a lot of that thinking, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's about resting on your laurels. You know, as an, as an entrepreneur, um, your goal isn't, isn't simply to innovate. Your goal is really to organize and manage resources together. Uh, you know, in order to create a successful and, a, and an ongoing business enterprise. 
But with respect to this particular um, idea of innovation, you know, innovation is not just about operating an enterprise. Innovation is more specifically, as is put by uh, Steve Blank, who's one of my favorite business authors, innovation is satisfying users' current or future wants and needs by turning an idea into a product or service with speed and urgency. And often when people hear that, their first thought is, well, great, if I want to know how to satisfy my customers' needs, I'll just go and ask customers. I have this idea to do X. What do you think about that? But the key about successful innovation is that you can't just ask a user and have them validate your idea. You'll find plenty of reasons why people will validate an idea that you think is a good one. Perhaps they want to be polite. Perhaps they genuinely do think it's a good idea. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're expressing authentic demand for that particular idea. So when a small business owner is thinking about a new product or talking to their customers and customers say things like, well, gosh, that that sounds really interesting, or wow, what a great idea, that's all well and good, but that doesn't mean that the customer is actually expressing an intent to buy that product or service. Mm -hmm. That's a completely different question. Very well put. Thank you so much. And you mentioned an author. Was that Steve Blank, you said? Yes, Steve Blank. All right, I'm going to look him up a little bit later. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. And let's welcome our second panelist, Jay Maurice. I mentioned he's an award-winning pianist and entrepreneur and music educator who is the founder of Lessons in Your Home, the music teachers who come to your home or school. What a great idea. And Jay has sent us a quote from Aristotle, very interesting quote. And I'm going to read a little quote here about Aristotle, by the way, who lived from 384 to 322 B.C. That's right, we did the numbers backwards, bigger numbers first to smaller because it was B.C. Oh, come on. Somebody must have learned that in the third or the fourth grade. He was a Greek philosopher and a scientist born in the city of Stagira, Chalkadis, on the northern periphery of classical Greece. His father, Nicomachus, died when Aristotle was a child, and he was raised by Proxenus of Atarnius, who became his guardian. Oh, my goodness. Interestingly enough, at 18, Aristotle joined Plato's Academy in Athens, and he ended up writing about physics, biology, zoology, metaphysics, logic, ethics, aesthetics, poetry, theater, music, rhetoric, linguistics, politics, and government. And that constituted the first comprehensive system of Western philosophy. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, Aristotle was the first genuine scientist in history, and every scientist is in his debt. I don't know if Jay knows that, but here is the quote from Aristotle. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act but a habit. Jay Maurice, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you, Jay? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the program. Very delighted. Well, somebody invited you, so I have to have you on the program. And I, I hear there's a little family connection here. You want to tell everybody who you really are, Jay? For sure. I am Jay Maurice, and um, my uh, sister, I guess, is on the program today, Lorraine Maurice. So she's been a, a wonderful person to have as a sister, and uh, um, super excited about being on the program with her today and especially in relation to the topic of innovation. And I went old school on the uh, quote there with Aristotle because I think the foundation of innovation, um, and it has a lot to do with music. You know, you mentioned that I was a musician. It needs to be repeated um, and executed every day over and over again. So um, just like you were speaking about with Joe coming up with a new idea, you know, some small business owners thinking that I've come up with this new idea, let me run with it. 
it, it doesn't end there. It needs to be done every day. You need to question every action that your company's doing. Um, and innovation needs to be a constant thing. One of the major influences on my musical career, um, Dr. Stephen Dankner, um, who's, who composes music out of New Orleans, actually, um, just finished composing his 40th string quartet. And um, I was reading some works on him the other day about some of the things that he's doing. And um, Dr. Denkner always talked about, if you're going to be a composer, you need to write every day. So think about that constant innovation, that stream of um, creativity that has to happen inside of you every day. I think successful small business owners who are looking to stay ahead and be with it need to think the same way, not just do the tasks that their business needs to do to operate every day, but literally to think about how they could do those tasks better and um, engage that constant innovation aspect of um, their operations. Very well put also, Jay, that constant aspect. Do you do that in your business once you created your business? Is this something that every day are you saying, what can I do that's fresh and new today? Or do you do it every six months or every 12 months? How, do you have a schedule for thinking innovatively, Jay? Well, I can say that I probably don't have a schedule um, for the innovation or innovative thought on it. But the challenges that I'm faced with every day, I do bring innovation into the answers to the pain that we feel every day. I talk about pain as just something that you would like to have easier or done better, which, you know, relates here in our topic as well. So you can put out the fire, but you should really examine why the fire happened. And it's that repetition of examining why the fire happened that is uh, the crux of where your innovation needs to be. So, um, and I don't think you should act on the answer every day, but you should mm. examine every day. So there's not a quiet time, a, um, you know, from 9 to 9.30 where we're going to think innovation. But there right. is a note-taking process and understanding and a reflection upon the fires of every day and what the, how those fires are created. Are they successful fires that we want to grow? Are they fires that we want to put out? Are they fires that we want to burn in other places? And so that we do every day, and that, um, and that happens throughout the daily process. But it's not a quiet composition time, if you will, or innovation time. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection during the day and really not ignoring that, um, that fire in different places. Very well put, Jay. I'm, I'm very intrigued with this. And what you said reinforces to me my choice of opening quote, which is good, better, best, never let it rest. Never let it rest till the good is better and the better is best. And that the target, the needle for best, I think in today's business world, Jay, and see if you agree with me, that target keeps moving. The best, great, it just, it's never static. Am I right? It's just moving. Yeah, it, 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 it moves around. And um, depending on your goals, um, oftentimes we're led to try to follow it. Sometimes we're led to try to lead it, and I think that's the most mm. exciting thing is when you're trying to lead the target and actually sway the target. Um, and depending on your business or your business sector, you, you, you want to try to lead it because that is where um, you can truly um, stay on top and not stay on top to be better than others, but to stay on top to be the best you can be. So um, moving that target, and um, to reference what Joe was saying, you have to listen to the target, 
but not respond all the time to the target, right? So Joe was saying, you know, you can survey everybody and, and surveying everybody about your innovation, you're going to get a lot of yeses, but that's not the kind of validation you're looking for. So you want to take that information and then almost direct them, and, and hopefully if you're successful, you'll be the one driving the target because you're not willing to uh, settle mm-hmm. down. But it's often easy to chase, and I think as a, uh, um, a business owner, entrepreneur, it's easy to succumb to the, to the want to chase the target. I think you need to try to steer it. Thank you. I'm thinking of a Peter Drucker quote, uh, we cannot predict the future, but we can invent it. The best way to predict the future is to create it. I think that's what you're talking about. Thank you very much, Jay. Pleasure to have you on board. And now let's bring on the lady of the hour. <laughs> it's her series, Lorraine Maurice, our modern marketer. And Lorraine has sent us a quote from Steve Jobs, and you all know Steve Jobs, 1955 to two. Yeah, 2011, yeah. He actually, he passed away the day, October 5th, 2011, the day we debuted our first SAP Game Changers show called Coffee Break with Game Changers. And the news came across just after we got off the air. So I will never forget his last day. But our first day, interesting trivia about Steve Jobs. After his death, his official biographer, Walter Isaacson, described him as a creative entrepreneur whose passion for perfection and ferocious drive revolutionized six industries, personal computers, animated movies, music, there you go, Jay, phones, tablet computing, and digital publishing. So he was still being called a creative entrepreneur after he became one of the the best technology creators, inventors, business starters, business owners, business executives. He was still considered an entrepreneur. I thought that was interesting. Also, you might like to know that he dated Joan Baez, who had already dated Bob Dylan. We'll leave that one on the table. And at one point in 1974, Steve Jobs traveled through India seeking enlightenment and studying Zen Buddhism. Lorraine, I don't know if you knew that about him, but here is the great quote Lorraine has picked from Steve Jobs. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes. And I think the aftermath of that, Lorraine, would be let's raise a toast. So, Lorraine Maurice, how are you today? I am wonderful and pleased to be here with these two special guest speakers. So thanks, thanks as usual, for hosting our show. This is lovely. It is lovely, and you certainly picked a good panel. Very articulate gentlemen, and I know you have a lot to say, so talk to me. Is this one of your favorite Steve Job quotes? It is, it is. And I was almost like, maybe I shouldn't talk to the panel can. However, Steve Jobs, I've been in my, the technology business for my entire career. Um, I was one of the lucky people that in college found my calling and stayed with it. And Steve Jobs um, has been around, so I was very impacted by that, the marketing of Apple computers, the, the rise, the fall, and then the rise again. But what really inspired me about this quote, which really kind of stems from a, an advertisement, that had nothing to do with it. What I thought about was the fact that you need to stand out from the crowd, you, you need to be different. And like the two gentlemen before me, it's if you listen to everybody, um, sometimes you get stuck in that square hole, uh, and you know, you know, in the round. I'm sorry. Sometimes you get stuck with a round peg, and for the square hole. And so you have to think differently. You have to be different, and quite frankly, you have to be bold. And being bold is what really drives the difference in the way you think and in your business. And just even about being bold, what I found interesting so far, just even in opening and introducing us, is the conversation we've had about being consistent with innovation, being a marketer, 
Uh, what I took from that is when I look at how to drive business and how to drive revenue, which at the end of the day is, is the key, you know, opportunity for all business, but really important to a small business and an entrepreneur as they're growing their ideas and using their brilliance, is the fact that it needs to be nurtured. So just like a sales lead and just like building a funnel, innovation is part of being nurtured. And being, being nurtured means touching it at different points in time with different opportunities and, and different messages and different ways of thinking. So um, it's a fascinating topic, and I don't think that anybody should be scared away from it because it's only for whether a big business or somebody with lots of employees. I think it's critical from the the one-person operation and above. Hmm. Very interesting. Lorraine, from you, from what Jay said, from what Joe said, I think there's a, a, a prevailing and prevalent message here that resounds for small business owners. Never let it rest. It is full time. We talk about always being the one in charge, the one to make the decisions, the one to close the lights and open the shades and do whatever you do for your business. Turn on the power and turn off the power and uh, make sure the 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 mice are all asleep at the right time and awake at the right time. And I'm talking about the computer mice, not the people spinning the wheels. Um, There there is no rest. Isn't that part of the message that innovate means think? Think about it around the clock. You mentioned nurture, Lorraine. What would be your message to small business owners? Be prepared to have it become your life. What are we saying? I don't think it's have it become your life, but I think that it's it's taking notes, it's keeping track, it's, it's being aware. And no matter what environment you're in, whether in your daily work environment or at the playground with your children or in a movie, if something sparks an idea and that light bulb goes up over your head, capture it and, and come back to it when it when it's the proper time. Because as we talked about, it's not always the proper time. So I don't think it's like twenty four seven obsession. What I think is is if you understand where you're trying to go, and you keep your creative mind open, that these ideas are stimulated, and you just need to, to put them in a notebook, keep keep them going pull them out when you need them, and then share them. Part of it, we talked about, like, don't share too much. But at the same time, you know, we've talked in previous sessions about those, the board of directors. We've talked about, you know, talking with different people. Talk about your idea. Do listen to other people. Do some research. Um, and that's how you keep it going. Not an obsession, but more of an um, organized thought process. Thank you, Lorraine. I like that organized process. Some people would call it organized chaos. Speaking of chaos, let's go back to Joe Fuller around the other (laughs) side of the table. Joe, I warned you I'm going to be asking you a personal question, not too personal. We'd like to know a little bit more about you. Where are you calling from? What are you drinking right now if it's very, very interesting? If not, what are you planning to drink later after the show? Joe Fuller. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, actually, I'm calling from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, um, which is uh, home uh, for me, for the past 30-some years, I did grow up in uh, Pennsylvania um, outside, outside of Philadelphia and moved here after college. And I, I mention that because it's actually relevant to uh, what is currently in my cup, which uh, as, as a transplanted Southerner is, of course, iced tea uh, mm-hmm. since it's the middle of the afternoon. But being from the north, it is not sweet tea. It is unsweet tea. Oh, interesting. Is there a blend of the tea? Is there a tea bag with a label on it? Is there something special? Did you put anything in it? What kind of a glass? What kind of a straw? You Tell know, me a little I've, more. 
That's great. I, I've got to tell you that my uh, my workday uh, beverages are are not very interesting. Um, so this is just a regular old iced tea from Subway. Um, however, uh, later on after work, partic- particularly if it's been a hectic day, then uh, then after work things will get a little more interesting. Um, and Lorraine would probably tell you uh, something involving a, a top shelf margarita or something like that. <laughs> top shelf. Okay, we will ask her about that. Thank you, Joe, and welcome, Jay Maurice. Where are you calling from? What time is it? And what are you drinking? Uh, Bonnie, calling from Atlanta, Georgia, as well. Um, Two thirty local time here, or close to it. Uh, might shock the world here, especially the coffee drinking world. But I am drinking coffee of the instant kind. Um, I, I've become addicted to a certain brand of this Nescafe instant coffee. I just, um, I like it. And, and I drink lots of different kinds of coffee, but this is my daily cup, if you will. Um, I've got a little bit of nonfat cream in there and a half of stevia. I moved to stevia mm. after becoming um, a fan of, um, oh, what's the show? What am I thinking? Anyway, uh, a popular TV show that I can't recall the name of right now, but one of the characters drank Stevia all the time, and I fell in love with it. So Stev- half a Stevia, uh, instant coffee, and um, non-fat cream. And um, after work, always, pretty typically, um, I'm making a Moscow mule these days, which is new to me, and I'm not new to the world, but new to me, and uh, the wife and I are just loving enjoying a Moscow mule on the, uh, on the back deck after work. Well, sounds nice. And by the way, are you talking about Stevia mentioned on Breaking Bad? Thank you so much, Breaking Bad. You're welcome. Yes, I just You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, I do. A, I, I'm pretty pretty handy on Google here, and it also was given a boost on Doctor Oz on November 26, 2014. <laughs> Sweet spices and stevia. What can I tell you? Bravo. Thank you very much, Joe and Lorraine. Where are you calling from, and what are you drinking? I'll have to close it out with Atlanta, Georgia, a very hot and humid day down here, except beautiful. And I'm drinking a virgin mimosa because it is before 5 o'clock. So I've got my LaCroix with a little bit of orange juice, and I'm a very happy girl. I'm very glad you're a very happy girl. <laughs> virgin mimosa. So what's missing? Is that the mimosa? It's orange juice and champagne. Is that right? It is. It is. It's just orange juice and champagne, so I've re- replaced the sparkling water for the champagne to give it a okay. little bit of effervescence and, and sparkle. Like you, effervescent and sparkling, my friend. And Lorraine, if you had had to put champagne in it when it, it, it I won't use the word de-something in it itself, what would you, you have a favorite champagne for mimosas? I do. Being Italian, I'm a big Prosecco girl. So I do a lot of Proseccos, and I actually add a little bit of tangerine juice and a shot of vodka, and it is amazing. <laughs> I recommend everybody try that this summer. I think we're renaming your series, Lorraine, from Think Big, Work Small to Think Big, Work Small and have an interesting bar in, on the back deck when you're done with your work day because you're going to need it if you're an entrepreneur and you're innovating. Uh, thank you all for very interesting drinks. As Lorraine knows, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days, and this is a doubleheader day. We had a show at 10 in the morning. Here we are at 2 in the afternoon, East Coast. I'm in New York on the North Shore of Long Island, and I'm happy to say it is gorgeous out. It's sunny. The sky is blue. I see a couple of fluffy white clouds, but nothing is threatening, and I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear glass with a yellow straw because I want the sunshine to stay around. So we're going to take a quick break and give our panelists a chance to take a sip of something refreshing. 
And when we come back, we will continue our conversation. The topic today is what you probably expected. Let me go back to my notes here. We're talking about take your small business from good to great innovate. That's it. 24-7. You don't have to do anything, but you have to think about it. You have to nurture it. It's your business. It's your baby. You want it to grow and thrive. We'll come back with a lot more interesting advice, tips, strategies from Joe Fuller, Jay Maurice, and Lorraine Maurice. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We are thinking big. We think you as entrepreneurs, small business owners, or people thinking about starting a business, you are going to be working small, but that doesn't mean you cannot grow big. The topic is how to go from good to better to best to great. Innovate. Our panelists are Joe Fuller at VCon. We have Jay and Lorraine Maurice, the brother and sister act today, and they're both very smart people, very invested in this topic. I'm looking at Joe Fuller's notes, and we're going to start the roundtable officially with a couple of very provocative statements here from Joe. Let me read just a little bit, and then Joe will run with it. First of all, he says, innovation is an action word. I think we got it already. It's not having a new idea. It's an act of creativity and implementation. Let's just put that on the table. And then Joe adds, innovation is not free. It has a cost. This may be earth-shattering to a lot of people. So, Joe Fuller, why don't you take two minutes and tell us what this all has to do with our topic today. Uh, great, thanks, Bonnie. Yes, I think that as we've talked in the uh, in the first half of the program, um, I think everybody has mentioned the notion of of innovation being something that's very active. Um, it's certainly more than an idea, something that needs execution. So, I, you know, I think of innovation as being, a, although it can be used as a noun, uh, it's really a verb. And particularly for small business people, um, if you think about the number of activities that all of us have on our plates every single day. Um, 
you know, some related to the actual operation of our business and customer-facing, some related to administrative tasks and so on. There's no question that there's never a shortage of things to do. And so in order to innovate effectively, you certainly have to set time aside for it. And because of that, it definitely has a cost. It, it isn't free. And I know that a common thought that, um, or perception that people may have is that, well, it, it's much easier for a small business to innovate because it's smaller and nimbler and a shorter chain of decision-making and things like that. But I think the flip side of that is that small businesses are also generally much more resource-constrained. So while they may be more nimble and able to act quicker, I might argue that in many cases the opportunity cost for that entrepreneur, that business owner, to turn their attention away from daily operation to actually spend some time working on innovation certainly has a cost that proportionally is not necessarily less <clears throat> excuse me, than what it would be in a larger organization. Thank you, Joe. Very interesting. Jay Maurice, love to get your two cents on this. What do you think? Agree or disagree with? Let's go to the the innovation isn't free. You're an innovator, an entrepreneur, a business creator. You started with just teaching music, and then you created a, a company that's all over the U.S. So innovation isn't free. What do you think? Well, I, I couldn't agree with Joe more, actually. So I think he's he's got it there. And I would almost say that the small business proportionally has to spend more on innovation than larger ones, especially to see that innovation through. Um, the small business owner, um, the small business entrepreneur, time is so valuable. And the time it takes to see it through, and, and a lot of times our small business owners and entrepreneurs don't have the, um, the staff, the marketing team. They are all those teams in one person or a small group of people. So the time um, is so valuable, and it costs so much. And then I think we're faced with a lot of analysis, and the analysis can almost be paralyzing um, to, um, you know, innovation. How much is being presented at us right now online, you know, new tools and opportunities that um, entrepreneurs didn't have uh, just, just months ago and then years ago is um, exhausting. So we, we, we know we want to fix it. We know we want to create it. And then moving on it, although we, we are nimbler, like, like Joe said, and I agree with, I do agree that the cost is um, even more expensive than it is for the larger organizations. Thank you, Jay. Lorraine, what do you think? Good topic. It is a great topic. And I will say that I have to agree with uh, the two previous speakers, Jay and Joe, however, I'll put a different perspective on it. Being in a large corporation, and I won't give this from my corporation, uh, we are very constrained by the amount of decision makers and stakeholders to implement and execute something that's uh, innovative. And so sometimes, whether it's the legalities, the, the who who owns the um, the right to make it move forward, completely shuts us down. So I'm not saying that small businesses don't have it hard. I'm just saying it. it it's a challenge in any organization, and it's a challenge that needs to be addressed. And analysis can cause paralysis, is what I'd like to say, as well as, um, you know, consensus by management, which is, is probably simpler in the small business field. However, there are some advantages to the small business um, that, again, one, they, they can make decisions quicker. Two, um, they have tools and resources available to them through third parties that are sometimes more cost-efficient as well as easier to implement than those of us that have to build it themselves. So it's really, a, it's one of those, you know, it's a two-sided coin because what they said is completely true. 
However, there's another side um, to getting things done in a more nimble and quick uh, position. And then uh, the enterprise world is not much better. Um, we just get caught up in spinning things because there's too many of us. <laughs> Bonnie Jingle. <laughs> Bonnie Jingle. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to drink my water here. Did somebody want to add something to what Lorraine just said? I heard somebody. Was that you, Jay, or Joe? It, it was. Jay Maurice here. I think that uh, Lorraine's pointing out the grass isn't always green around the other side, which is one of my favorite, you know, sayings. So, absolutely, you know, there's challenges in all of this, and it kind of goes back to it's an action word. You know, Joe's idea, it's an action word. And um, that action is going to present challenges on, on both sides of the coin, um, but exciting ones. Exciting ones, yes. I, I'm still liking more and more in my opening, good, better, best, never let it rest, because this, there's just no way with everything we're talking about that anybody starting a business can rest or should rest. And Jay Maurice, I'm going to circle around to you because I want to make sure we have plenty of time. Joe, thanks for that really good opening topic. I'm going to pick up something sure. very interesting from Jay. And Jay says, uh, here's something equally provocative. Innovation is a cycle in every successful business. And here's the kicker from Jay Maurice. The minute innovation stops is the minute a company starts dying. That is profound, Jay Maurice. You mean they can't take a weekend off and they can't just say, well, we'll try this idea for the next 6 to 12 months, look at the receipts, see how it did, and then we'll decide if we need to tweak it. So when, how do you define the minute the innovation stops, whether it's the intention, is it lagging, is it just saying we're taking innovation off the table? Let's find out what you mean, Jay Maurice. So I think to, to your last point there, you do have to analyze and you have to give the innovation time to, to run its course before you can make a decision on it. I've, been the, I've made the mistake of becoming copacetic, though. And so I think I'm kind of trying to address in the statement, you can't become copacetic. You can't take a break a lot of times. And so the weekend off, absolutely, that becomes part of a process, a weekly process, a monthly process, and maybe even a quarterly or a yearly process that you do um, that kind of, again, goes to your saying, can you not let it, you know, get to the end and to fruition? Of course. But um, if you stop examining, if you start just, you know, responding and reacting, and in our company, we, we talk a lot about reacting and, you know, and, and being progressive. So, Everybody, it's almost easy to train any system or any person to be very reactive, but um, being proactive and taking those steps um, to do something outside of the reaction is kind of what I'm touching on there. You've got to stay focused, and, and, and you've got to follow the plan, and that'll keep growth alive, but you have to be proactive. You can't just react to the, to the growth plan or the plan of the innovation. It's got to be constant like we've talked about but it's got to be focused and you, you can't just react. So I think the reaction um, element is what I'm talking about on the desk. When you become a reactor, you're just order taking and delivering at that point, And that doesn't help growth. It doesn't help innovation and it doesn't help success. Thank you, Jay. Very interesting warning there. Lorraine, what do you think from your observations? I, I, I think he's completely right because your competitors don't sleep and they don't take the, the weekend off. And more importantly, your customers don't. And with the world evolving as quickly as it does, whether it's the changes in the economy, the changes in technology, or just the changes in how a consumer wants to receive your information, it is spiraling. 
And so it's, it's important for any business, but especially a small business, to, say, to stay cognizant of where their business fits on that pendulum and to stay active in making sure that they're not with the Joneses, but they have a plan to be ahead of the Joneses. And it's really not, you know, about complexity. I bring it, I'll bring it back to simplicity, and it's simplifying operations. It's simplifying process. And it's understanding who your customer is. And when it's time to innovate, to make a change to meet their needs, to keep your business going in the direction that you need it to go. Thank you. Joe Fuller, love to get your thoughts on this, this topic that Jay started. Agree or disagree? Uh, sure. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, these are, these are excellent um, points about the need to continually uh, be innovating. And, Maybe one strategy that might be helpful to consider in that, and I'll refer back again to uh, Steve Blank, um, again, one of my favorite business authors, and he has a, a kind of a seminal business book um, called uh, The Lean Startup, and one of the premises, uh, key premises in that book is the concept of failing fast. And in a recent presentation I saw from Steve, he talked about applying that lean startup mentality um, to innovation, so something you might call lean innovation. And he points out that if you can look at innovation not as something where I'm going to take on a, a huge initiative and then let it play out for a long time and see how it works, so I'm going to measure it six or nine months later, he said, what if you could come up with a way to take smaller bites at the apple and you could do something like testing ten times as many initiatives in one-fifth of the time? And you create those initiatives in such a way that you give yourself the opportunity and the permission to have them either succeed quickly or to fail quickly so you can then move on to the next one. The net effect of that would be able to be driving a 50-fold increase, if you will, in innovation in your business simply by not trying to boil the ocean from day one but adopting this strategy of um, small experiments that can be done so you can either succeed fast or fail fast. Thank you very much. I like that succeed fast or fail fast. We all know the phrase fail fast, fail often. I think that's become a mantra. And uh, Lorraine, if you look at the concept of entrepreneurship, that a lot of big companies are starting these internal incubators, if you will, that's a hard concept for people to get, isn't it, Lorraine, where you can have the permission to fail, even though you're a full-time corporate employee, because you're supposed to be working on design thinking or something innovative. Any comments on that, Lorraine, before I go to some of your specific notes? Yeah, well, actually, in, in a past role with a, a global telecommunications company, my role was to evaluate and see what needed to fail and what needed to succeed. So you're correct. I mean, they, we do have these roles in corporate because we do have the luxury um, to spend the money to try and fail. But to Joe's point, you know, not everything, you know, is simple, but you need to find the right method and the simplest way to accomplish it. And sometimes that's by test and fail in order to succeed. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to, Jay, any quick comments on that? Because I have a couple of really good notes here from Lorraine I want to make sure we get to before we go to the predictions round in about six minutes. Jay, anything you want to add to that one? I guess the only thing I'd like to add is I'm pumped up, you know, just listening to uh, Failing Fast, and that always gets me excited. So, you know, I'm ready to get to work after the call, but I'm excited to listen as well. 
Well, I'm glad you're giving us the hour. We're very appreciative. I'm glad you're we're, we're all up. experts in failing fast, so that's, uh, that's good. I, I think so. But you know something? For those of us who are over 18 or 20, I think we're all in that bucket, or 30 or 40 maybe, like me, or 50. Um, the idea of failing is something that the culture didn't allow us when we were growing up. You had to be the best. You had to make the honor roll. Your business had to be something you could do and that you were proud of. You had to get that great first job. Your mom and dad had to submit that to newsmakers, to the local newspaper. We weren't allowed to fail. Joe Fuller, any comments on that a little cultural side note here, a sidebar, if you will? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting point. And honestly, I've never uh, actually thought about it in that context until, until you just said that. But I think that um, actually the, the, the changes culturally over the past um, you know, 30 or, or so years um, in terms of communication, for example, our ability to, uh, you know, engage with other people and share ideas and give feedback and measure results much, much more quickly, um, I think have made the cost of failure um, much less expensive than it has been in the past. And, and maybe that's one of the catalysts for this notion of looking at failure as not something that's inherently bad, but just that's uh, something that's um, inherent in the process of improving and ultimately succeeding. Thank you very yeah, much. And just, Lorraine, one quick, yeah. just one quick point sure. to add to that. We've also learned how to take the, the, to put a dollar figure around failure, and so the cost savings then equate to a success. So I, sometimes I think in the past we just said, oh, we lost a dollar. And now we look at it as we saved the dollar because we've, we've understood that we failed. So I think that even the mentality and the thought leadership regarding, you know, trying new things and whether they work or not has changed. Thank you very much. Jay, anything you want to, any thoughts on uh, the permission to fail that we didn't used to have? Any quick thoughts? Well, I, I love the idea of failing. It's one of my favorite topics, and it's actually I have tons of experience at it. So I was so happy to grow up you know, not succeeding in school and education uh, because I think through failure is when you see opportunity. And um, the, he's a, you know, kind of a feel-good um, self-help author, Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, in the book, and I don't know if it's his quote, so you'll have to forgive me and, and, and apply the proper reference, but um, he, mentions his, he mentions, you know, A students work for C students and B students work for the government. And I love that quote because, um, because I, I guess my parents might have appreciated if I was a C student, but, you know, it's trying to be a C student was always a challenge for me. And um, I seem to relate to people who are also, you know, C students. On the, on the inverse, you know, I want to hire tons of A students to work in my company and also talking about innovations. I think that I want tons of A students working on those innovations too. So failure is great, and I think we need to let people fail all the time. Jay, I think you're talking about Robert Kiyosaki, K-I-Y-O-S-A-K-I, age 69, born in April of 1947. And yes, uh, he, he was educated right here where I am. United States Merchant Marine Academy is right here in Great Neck where I am. And here's a very interesting quote on the Wikipedia underneath his, yeah, oh, nice looking guy, very interesting. He says, winners are not afraid of losing, but losers are. Failure is part of the process of success. People who avoid failure also avoid success. Wow, that's the guy you were talking about, right, Jay? Absolutely. 
Mm, Got to put that into and, the tweets. Thank you. We love the references. Yeah. I just want a minute to go through a couple of quick points from Lorraine because we're about two minutes away from the crystal ball, and I want to make sure we get. Lorraine, one thing you say is be an obsessive note taker. We're just going to leave that one on the table. I don't think it needs to be explained. We've been talking about observing and being proactive, but the one I really want you to tell our listeners about is you say use your board of directors, and by this Lorraine means trusted advisors, to allow you to brainstorm innovative ideas, get feedback, and possibly find good resources. So even if you don't have a business structure with a board of directors, if you're a small startup, Lorraine, how do you find that board of directors? Is it personal or is it for the business and is it in the books? So I think it's a combination. And this is really important to me, and I'll share a personal story as well, because we've got two real-life small businesses and entrepreneurs on the phone. So the first thing is you have to pick people that you truly trust and bring a different skill set to the table than you might have. So, for example, if I'm not technology savvy, bring somebody like that to the table who I can work with in order to determine what's needed for my business. Same with, you know, financial advisors or marketing advisors. So find people that you do trust and that you, that you would be comfortable sharing some secrets and some things that you're not too sure about so that, you know, you don't always have to have, you know, an ego involved. People that you can let your ego down and truly be honest and authentic with. But then the other side of that coin is that there's a lot of agencies, and, and I'm not going to promote it, whether it's small, but, but the small business organizations, the local universities, um, all there are a ton of resources out there for small businesses to provide guidance. This radio show is another example. So with some, uh, you know, with some forethought, some research, and again, I know it comes with time, which is probably the biggest, you know, value to a small business, but if you take a few minutes to build your board of directors with both those you know and those Mm -hmm. that have some maybe expertise that, that are known for doing that, you could, you could, be just like a large corporation. Now, I'll give you a personal example. I'll give it to you with Jay and Joe, if you don't mind. But Jay and Joe yeah, actually sit, sit on my personal board of directors. Um, mm. uh, I have known Joe. Um, we started, well, I started with him in technology um, maybe 20 years ago um, in what I would call a small to growing business that became a global company um, and launched, really, the way we communicate today. And... Part of that was, you know, our working together not only on, you know, ideas and innovation and selling and development, but then it became more personal. Where do you take your career? Where do you go in life? And so when I was creating this show um, with you, Bonnie, I said that created it. But when I was coming up with things that work small, I went to Joe and I said, you are a serial entrepreneur and a small business. Can you share with me what would be important to you? So that's where I talk about going to the board of directors. And then my brother, who is obviously by his, my invite to him here today, I adore. He jokes about his education. He's probably one of the smartest people I know, and he's also 10 years younger, so I'll, I'll give him that. Oh, my goodness. He's, Listen, Lorraine, we have to look into the future. We've got, we've got okay, just okay. Uh, four I minutes till it's in. I'm going to let you start. Lorraine, I'm going to let you start the roundtable for Crystal okay. Ball since you're talking. I know you have so much to say. We have to do a part two. That's just simple. Yeah, Invite Jay and Joe that. back. It's it's in the stars already. We got it. Joe and Jay, you're invited back. She'll send you a date. Four minutes. Lorraine Maurice, predictions, crystal ball. I love 2020. How far are you looking? What will change about our topic? Our topic is making your small business from good to great innovate. Lorraine, 60 seconds, go. 
as technology innovates, our economy changes, it's going to continue to speed, and small businesses, what's going to be the most valuable, not only to our employment, but also into creating new ideas for every kind of business. So I predict small business will continue to be the most valuable opportunity for all of us. Oh, very interesting. Okay, thank you very much. And Joe Fuller, I have, oh, I have 60 seconds for you because Lorraine was so fast. Great. Well, just real quickly, I'm going to start with the most important prediction, and that is that Coastal Carolina is going to beat Arizona in the College World Series tonight. So <laughs> we'll get that one out of the way. <laughs> I appreciate right. that. We'll let you know um, if, you're, if you're right. Go ahead. There you go. So sure, with, um, uh, with respect to innovation, you know, I think a, a, a big trend that we're going to see a lot more of um, is, is what a lot of people call the Uberization of things, um, and that is, you know, the notion of um, uh, distributed people that have access to resources for a particular purpose and can use unused capacity of those resources to serve another purpose, much like Uber drivers with their cars. Um, I think the next big sector for that we're going to see is in manufacturing um, with the technology that's available for designing and communicating remotely. Uh, I think the notion of having an idea um, that requires something to be made, um, a, a widget, if you will, and then uh, having instant access to resources anywhere in the world that can make that widget for you very quickly and inexpensively is something we're going to see a lot more of, and manufacturers are going to start to use that as a channel to use uh, excess capacity that they currently have. Wow. Wow. Very, very interesting. Uh, Joe, just a quick side note. Jay, I'm going to give you your, your time here and for predictions. I just wrote my first original play and produced it, and it's it's on demand. I can send you all the link. But I have a, a comment when the, the – uh, it takes place in a cab. But in the third scene, 18 years later, the cabbie is driving Uber. And he's explaining how he went from being an old-style New York cabbie to an Uber driver. And he says, yeah, Uber, he said, Uber, it's a fancy-schmancy word for bring your own car to work. <laughs> that was, that's my interpretation. That's so great. You get the context. I'll send you the link. I think you'll enjoy it. Jay Maurice, I can give you, oh, 30 seconds. Predict fast. Go ahead. 30 seconds. Here we go. I'm so the sorry, original dear. innovators probably used stones and sticks and tools and rocks. You know, yesterday's innovators used pencil, and today we're using computers. So I think the biggest change is going to be the tools we use. And um, they won't be foreign, is the prediction. So we're the innovator today. Some of the um, online tools, we're learning about them and learning how to use them. Tomorrow's innovators will have them in innate knowledge of how they work and the best practices. Thank you very much. I knew you could nail that well. You probably got the metronome on the piano saying tick-tock, tick-tock, 30 seconds. Clock. Let's. I know. It's, it's internalized. Thank you. I have to say thank you to Lorraine for putting together such a wonderful panel. You are personal and professional board of directors. How sweet is that? And we've had a really good conversation about taking your small business from good to great, innovate. I think we touched a lot of points, but Lorraine... I suggest you bring them back. They're very good speakers, a lot of good, interesting ideas. So just get a couple of more statements from them, and we'll do a part two. That's my invitation. And now I just want to say to everybody, this is the end of our live broadcast week. If you're in the U.S. celebrating the 4th of July weekend, have a sparkling 4th, and be careful not to drink the 5th while you're driving so you don't have to plead the 5th. I think I messed that up. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to all of our friends at World Talk Radio, and uh, everybody have a 
great and safe holiday weekend. We'll be back next week with four or five brand new live Game Changers radio shows. And here's my call to action. How appropriate for my shout out. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Be innovative. We're waiting to hear your story. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.